Uh, this afternoon, we are going to be considering Baptist Catechism questions 48 and 49. Question 48. What is the preface to the Ten Commandments? Answer. The preface to the Ten Commandments is in these words. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Question 49. What does the preface to the Ten Commandments teach us? Answer. The preface to the Ten Commandments teaches us that because God is the Lord and our God and Redeemer, therefore we are bound to keep all His commandments. For our scripture reading, we will go to Deuteronomy 10 and read verses 12 through chapter 11, verse 1. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heavens, heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set His heart in love on your fathers, and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him, and by His name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt... Seventy persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. This is now the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to the teaching of it this afternoon. In the weeks and months to come, we will be learning all about the Ten Commandments. We will learn what they are. We will also learn what they require and what they forbid. As you know, and I know you know this because this was taught in the previous lesson, the Ten Commandments contain a summary of God's moral law. God's moral law is for all men living in all times and places. All men have this law written on their hearts. All men are bound to keep it and... All men will be judged by this law on the last day, if not in Christ. More was said about this in the previous sermon. But I hope you would also agree with me that God's people, and by that I mean those who have been redeemed by God and who bear His name, have a special kind of obligation to obey their God. Maybe I could put it this way in the form of a question. Who is obligated to obey God's moral law? Your answer should be 
everyone, everyone is obligated to obey God's moral law because God is their creator and they are his creature. But then if I were to ask you, well, among men, who has a special obligation, an especially uh, clear obligation to obey God's moral law? I would hope that you would say, those who have been redeemed by God have a special obligation to obey His moral law because God is not only their Creator, He is also their Redeemer. And really this is what the preface or the introduction to the Ten Commandments teaches. All people have an obligation to obey God's revealed will, that is to say His moral law. Why? Because God is our Creator and we are His creatures. We are made in His image to know, worship, and serve Him. But if we are in Christ, if we have been rescued by Him and washed clean by His blood, then we have a special kind of obligation to keep God's law. For God is not only our Creator, but is also our Redeemer. And this is true for all who have faith in Christ. And this was, a, this was pictured in an earthly way amongst the Hebrews in the days of Moses when they were redeemed from Egyptian bondage. Let me read that last sentence again because I did not read it clearly. This is true for all who have faith in Christ, and this was pictured in an earthly way amongst the Hebrews in the days of Moses when they were redeemed from Egyptian bondage. Question 48 of our catechism asks, what is the preface to the Ten Commandments? A preface is an introduction. It's an introduction that sets the tone for what will follow. In fact, when the Ten Commandments were given, we must see them in the terms of covenant. This was a covenant law being given. When two kings would enter into a covenant in those days, there would be stipulations. Here's what you will do, and here's what I will do. But before those stipulations were given... There would be an introductory, introductory statement that was made which would establish the relationship between the two parties. Here is who I am, King so-and-so. This is what I have done. I have conquered you. Here is you, who you are, King so-and-so. Here is your position before me. This is the nature of our relationship. Now, therefore, here are the stipulations of this agreement we are making. Here is the covenant Law. The same thing happens with the Ten Commandments. The preface or the introductory statement is very important for it clarifies the nature of the relationship that exists between God in heaven and Israel on earth. A preface is an introductory statement that sets the tone for what will follow. And the preface of the Ten Commandments must be considered in terms of the covenant. And the answer to question 48 is simply a quotation of Exodus 20. Verse 2, the preface to the Ten Commandments is in these words, I am the Lord thy God. Do you hear? The Lord is introducing Himself. Here is who I am. I am the Lord thy God. And then it says, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Here is who you are. I am the Lord your God, and you are my people, for I have created you, and more than that, I have redeemed you. By the way, you have probably noticed that the English found in our catechism is Old English. Uh, that is because this document was written a long time ago, and originally in the 17th century. And I wanted to say, parents, you are free to modernize 
the language of this catechism for your children. All of you are free to do this. But as a church, we have decided to retain the original because altering documents that are foundational to an institution, such as catechisms and confessions, can be tricky business. So if you wish to memorize the preface to the Ten Commandments or the Ten Commandments themselves using the language of the ESV or some other modern Bible translation, I think that is fine. But the point is that we will learn what these questions and answers mean. That's the real objective here. What do these things mean? For the Christian faith is summarized here in our catechism. The gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed in this document. Hopefully we could also put these questions and answers to memory because I do believe that will help us in our learning. But let us think now about Exodus 20 verse 2 for a moment and the preface to the Ten Commandments that is found there. What was the setting? Who was speaking and to whom? These are important questions. Well, if you know the story of the Exodus, which you should know very well now, we just studied it, you know that it was God who was speaking. Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments from God. The Scriptures tell us that these words were written on tablets of stone by God, and Moses brought these tablets of stone down to the people of Israel, who not long before this were rescued from Egypt. Remember the story of the Exodus. Remember the story of the ten plagues and how the people of Israel were brought out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. You see, that is the setting. God is speaking through Moses to Israel, having just redeemed Israel from bondage in Egypt. So these words that we are considering are God's words. And they were delivered in this form to Israel. These were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The small clan of Jacob had grown to a very large multitude over the span of hundreds of years as they lived and eventually suffered in Egypt. When the time was right, God rescued them. He brought them out from Egyptian bondage through Moses, his servant. He brought them out by sending ten plagues. He led them into the wilderness. And when they were trapped with the Red Sea on one side and the army of Egypt on the other side, God let them through the sea by parting the waters. The Hebrews walked on dry land through waters of judgment. As the Egyptians pursued them, the waters of judgment fell upon them and consumed them. And finally, God led them through the wilderness and brought them to Mount Sinai, where He entered into a special national covenant with them and gave them His law. First, He gave them a summary of His moral law in the Ten Commandments. And after that, He gave them civil and ceremonial laws, which though they were based on the moral law, were additions to it and were unique to Old Covenant Israel, therefore. So the setting is this. In brief, this law, the summary of God's moral law, was given by God to Israel after He rescued them from Egypt Egypt, to be His special people on earth. The very first words that were spoken were these, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The words, I am the Lord thy God, were to remind Israel that God is their creator. Israel had this in common with all other peoples. God is their creator. In other words, this phrase, I am the Lord thy God, would have reminded Israel of the story of creation. That is told in Genesis 1 and 2. There in Genesis 1 and 2, 
God is revealed by the names God, Elohim, and Lord, Yahweh. I am the Lord thy God. That phrase is a reminder of creation. And the words, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, would have reminded them of the marvelous work of redemption that the Lord had just accomplished to free them from Egyptian bondage. So then, the preface to the Ten Commandments effectively communicates the relationship that exists between God and Old Covenant Israel. God said, Israel, I am the Lord your God, I am your Creator, I am your Redeemer. Obey Me, therefore, for you are My people. I've redeemed you, you are Mine, here is My law. And then the Ten Commandments follow. Question 49 of our Catechism continues this by asking, what does the preface to the Ten Commandments teach us? So we know what it is. It may be found in, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. It may be found also in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, we know what the preface to the Ten Commandments is, but what does it teach us? In other words, what does it mean? The preface to the Ten Commandments teaches us, our Catechism says, that because God is the Lord and our God and Redeemer, therefore... We are bound to keep all His commandments. Brothers and sisters, young and old, if I were to ask you the question, why should we obey God's law? I wonder what you would say. Why should we obey God's law? It's an important question. I wonder what you would say in response to that question. If your response is this, pay careful attention here. Everyone, but especially, I say, our young people. Please pay special attention here. If your response to the question, why should we obey God's law, is this. We ought to obey God's law to earn God's love, to earn His favor, or to earn eternal life from Him. Then I'm afraid you have not understood the message of the Bible, nor the gospel of Jesus Christ that is contained within it. We cannot earn anything from God by obeying His law. Why? Why is that? The answer is this, because Adam broke God's law and the covenant of works that God made with him, and we are born in Adam and in Adam's guilt. Also, we ourselves have personally violated God's law in thought, word, and deed, and stand guilty before Him, therefore... I hope your answer to the question, why should we obey God's law, is not to earn God's love or to earn His favor or to earn eternal life. That is impossible. This is what Paul means when he says, For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. That is Romans 3.20. And a little later in that same passage he says, For... All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is Romans 3.23. And in another place he says, For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. The meaning is this. Ever since the fall, ever since Adam fell into sin, it is impossible for men and women to earn God's love, His favor, or eternal life through obedience to the law. For the simple reason that we are all born in sin and do ourselves sin. The law condemns us as lawbreakers, therefore. As we study the Ten Commandments in the months to come, I will remind you of this truth often. Is the law good? Is the law good? What would you say? 
Yes, it is good. Should we strive to keep God's law? Should we strive to obey God's commandments? Answer, yes, indeed, we should strive to keep God's law. But please hear me, not to earn God's love nor our salvation. That is impossible. And one way that I will remind you of this limitation of the law is by taking you to the catechism questions that immediately follow this section on the Ten Commandments. We're about to study the Ten Commandments, and we will be doing so for quite a while. And after a prolonged study of the Ten Commandments, we will come to question 87 of our catechism. It asks this, Is any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? So we've studied the commandments of God. We've learned what they are, what they require, and and what they forbid. It's a very important question. Is any man able to perfectly keep the commandments of God? Answer, no mere man, that leaves room for Christ, by the way, no mere man since the fall is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but daily break them in thought, word, and deed. Ought we to keep God's law? Yes. Can we? And do we? No. We break God's law in thought, word, and deed. Question 89 will then ask, What does every sin deserve? Answer, every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. That's bad news. We're lawbreakers, and here's what sin deserves. We're sinners, and here's what sin deserves. God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. Question 90 then asks, what does God require of us? By the way, that should sound familiar. Question 44 asks, what duty does God require of man? Obedience to His revealed will. That introduced this whole section on God's law. After studying God's law, we come to see that we're lawbreakers and deserve God's wrath and curse. Now a new question is asked, question 90, what does God require of us? There's that word require again. That we may escape His wrath and curse due to us for sin. So there's bad news delivered. How can we escape? What does God require of us so that we can escape this wrath and curse due to us for sin? Answer, to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us obedience to His law. Is that right? No, that's terribly wrong. Don't say that. God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicateth to us the benefits of redemption. The brief answer is this. To escape God's wrath and curse due to us for sin, we must repent, turn from our sins, and have faith in who? Christ Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the one who has provided a way for us to be forgiven. And finally, question 91 asks, What is faith in Jesus Christ? The answer is very important. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace. Another way to say it is, it's a gift. It's a saving gift that we receive from God. Whereby we receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation as He is offered to us in the gospel. That is what faith is. A saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation as He is offered to us in the gospel. Brothers and sisters, young and old, you would be really, really wise to memorize every single question and answer of this catechism. It's rich and it's true. Why should we keep God's law then? 
not to be saved. Now that we are fallen, salvation can only be received as a gift from God through faith in Jesus Christ the Savior. Notice the duty which God requires of man to escape the wrath and curse of us due to us for sin is not obedience to the moral law, but faith in Jesus Christ and repentance unto life. Back to the question, why should we keep God's law then? Why should we even care about God's law? Answer, because God is our Creator and our Redeemer. It is only right for creatures to obey the law of their Creator. It is their natural duty. And it is only right that the redeemed obey the law of their Redeemer out of a sense of gratitude for all that He has graciously done for them. That is why we ought to keep God's law. I suppose we may add also to this, it is for our good, because God's law is good. Brothers and sisters, young and old, if it was right for Old Covenant Israel to obey their Lord and God, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, Exodus 20, verse 2, how much more should we obey the Lord our God, now that we have been redeemed, not through Moses, but through Christ, not from Egypt, but from the power of sin, the fear of death, and from the kingdom of Satan itself. And not unto the land of Canaan, but unto the new heavens and earth in which righteousness dwells. The question is, how much more? If it was right for Old Covenant Israel to obey the Lord their God, their Creator and Redeemer, the one who redeemed them in this earthly way, how much more should those of us who have been redeemed by Christ, not from an earthly kingdom, and not unto an earthly land, but from the power of darkness itself and unto heaven, how much more should we be concerned and motivated to obey God's moral law? More than this, the summary of the moral law, which was written on stone in the days of Moses, is written on the heart of all who have faith in Christ by the working of the Spirit. So I am saying to you, our motivation is greater Because our gratitude is greater, and so is our ability. For in Christ we have been renewed. In the mind and heart we have been set free as it pertains to our will. So not only should our motivation be greater because the work of redemption that Christ has done for us is greater, but our ability is greater too because we have been renewed. Old covenant Israel was circumcised according to the flesh. They were called to be circumcised in the heart also. You heard it in the text that we just read, but not all of them were. They did not all have renewed hearts. They did not all believe in the promises of God and therefore have eternal life. But all who are of the Israel of God of the new covenant have been circumcised of heart, regenerated, born again by the working of the Holy Spirit. We have new minds, therefore, Our minds naturally were darkened, but they are now enlightened in Christ Jesus by the working of the Spirit. We have have new hearts, therefore. These hearts of ours have been renewed so that we do not anymore love that which is evil. (laughs) In fact, we hate it, and we want to do that which is good. And our wills have been renewed as well, so that we are not in bondage to sin as we once were, but we have been set free. Corruptions remain. 
Sanctification is a process. But we have been set free in Christ so that not only do we desire to keep God's law, but we have the ability to do it, uh, though we often fail. What is the preface to the Ten Commandments? I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's what God said to Old Covenant Israel. I suppose we can interpret it rightly as God's new covenant people. I am the Lord thy God, which has paid for all of your sins, which has defeated the evil one himself, has set you free from his kingdom of darkness unto the kingdom of light. And what does the preface to the Ten Commandments teach us? It teaches us that because God is the Lord and our God and Redeemer, therefore we are bound to keep all His commandments. This is true. May we keep it not to earn anything from God, for we cannot. May we keep it because we are grateful. May we keep His law because we love our God. And may we always remember that we love Him because He first loved us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I do ask that you would help us to learn the Ten Commandments, even to memorize them. But more than that, I pray that we would know what they require and what they forbid. And more than that, O God, I pray that we would have a desire to keep them and also that you would give us the ability. This is a duty that you require of us And yet we confess that apart from your grace, we will not fulfill it. And so we ask that you would help us, O Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.